and uh, welcome once again to the Great Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Weber. Welcome to the show. So glad you decided to listen today. Uh, what you have found, what you're listening to, is a show where I sit across the table from uh, one or two human beings, and we just hear their life story. Uh, some of the highs, the lows, the wins, losses, challenges, things like that. But uh, most of all, we find out how people came to know Christ and just what it's looked like in the context of, of a real person's life to follow uh, a real God. Sometimes it's, it's beautiful, sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to hear, uh, but we get to just kind of walk through that journey with them, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I love doing this show. This is so fun. If you want to follow the show, you can follow it on Facebook at The Great Stories Podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to the show, there's a bunch of ways you can do that now. I got it out on all kinds of uh, platforms. You can go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, uh, iHeartRadio's got it. I've got audio feed on YouTube. Uh, in my preference, though, I, I like the Stitcher or the Apple Podcast because when you subscribe to those uh, channels, you can actually set your phone to give you alerts so you don't miss new episodes. If you're into the show, you don't have to go hunting for it. Uh, if you want, you can go old school. You can stream it straight off the website at greatstories.podbean.com. If you want to support the show, you can uh, do that in three ways. One, financially, go to patreon.com, search for the Great Stories Podcast. A little cash is always helpful. Uh, another way you can do it is by sharing the episodes. If you hear an episode that you like or reminds you of somebody or, or you just want to encourage someone that you know, go ahead and share the links to the episodes. It's a great way for the word to get out. And the third way you can support the show is by coming on it. Please come on the show. I, I'm, I'm not running out of guests but I want to have more than I can ever get around to <laughs> in my free time. Uh, come on the show. I, I always tell people, for every person that talks to me, there's a thousand other ones that should. And uh, I want you to come on the show. So get in touch with me. Shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so today, did something a bit different in that most of the time I will I'll talk to somebody for... You know, a couple hours, and we'll we'll try to cover their whole story, and I'll dig through some uh, deeper details as they come up, just in the context of their story. But today, I, I wanted to do a little bit more focused interview uh, with a gentleman that I know named John Dutra, uh, amazing guy, one of the most high capacity people I know. Like I do a lot, but this guy does a lot, and it just blows me away. Huge amount of respect for John. Uh, but there's a couple things uh, that came up. Uh, he was in our church office a while back, and he was just mentioning a couple things about his son and, and adoption and things like that. And I thought it would be really cool to just chat with him a little bit and just try to spend the bulk of the time talking about just the adoption process uh, with his son. And I'm so glad we did. It was really encouraging, and uh, I, I just think it opened up a lot of great conversations that I hope uh, those who need to hear... Uh, or who are thinking about the adoption uh, world, or if something that's something they want to do, I hope these words are encouraging to them, and that they they take that step of praying that that these kids who need to know Christ would be adopted by families who will teach them. Uh, in any case, uh, this is the interview with John. I hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Here we go. Here we sit in Dutra, 
Enterprises. Two to Enterprises, yeah. Tell me uh, a little bit about where we're sitting right now. What is this place? Uh, we're sitting in a second floor office. It's about 3,000 square feet. Um, it was built in 2016. I was uh, proud to help manage that construction. Ah. And uh, that came about 10 years after the construction of the building just down the road. Uh, that's about 20,000 square feet. And uh, we kind of outgrew our 1,500 square foot suite. Okay. So we moved into this uh, 3,000 square foot um, layout where I got coworkers waving goodbye. See you later. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, designed it so that it has kind of glass walls. It's beautiful. Um, with some stone up here in the conference room. We got a lot of natural light and uh, we love it here. So there's a stone wall behind you that's my favorite thing so far i'm getting ideas for for stage design already uh, <laughs> that's where i see it like oh, we could do that maybe styrofoam or something jazer is here doing an interview with the mayor and, and uh also one of the councilmen from hayward oh, yeah. not too long ago right yeah. that was here yeah. okay yeah that makes sense now yeah. put a put a uh, face to the place yep so what what kind of uh company is this? Dutra Enterprises. This is a commercial uh, real estate firm. So um, we'll buy and sell buildings. Um, we'll construct buildings and keep okay. them. And we'll also help um, entitle land so that it can be built for homes. Okay. When you say construct, mm -hmm. you mean like ground up? Ground up. Contract, like you hire general contractors yes. and all that stuff? Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's really deep into it. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of fun. Do you primarily operate in... Fremont or Bay Area? Like what, what is your zone of terror here? We started here in Fremont in 1972. So okay. <laughs> we kind of grew to know uh, the city very well. Yeah. We kind of grew with the city. So a lot of our stuff is here. Uh, yeah. But we do have some stuff in Pleasanton, and we have sites that we work at in Hayward and throughout Alameda County and most of the East Bay, as a matter of wow. fact. Wow. So I bet you're the ultimate guy to like drive around with and and you'd, you'd be like oh i remember when that was uh you know oh. this was uh we built that or yeah i sold that twice you know <laughs> i can tell you stories i remember my dad driving a at the time was a, a newer lexus i think it was like 1992 1993 lexus yeah through a field as he was showing me <laughs> where things could be built or not built and it was hilarious <laughs> interesting job oh yeah and you were somewhat instrumental in the Resonate building acquisition and all that. What what role did you play for that? I know you were I, I stressed guess. out about it, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it was one of those things where uh, you know that's all a God thing because to have been where I was, uh, which I've been in finance almost all my life, to come into commercial real estate, learn mm. that. Uh, become well-versed in it, become well-known at the city by working with various planners. I was able to right. just lend a hand and some guidance with uh, that aspect of it. Okay. Yeah, that's... I, I, I We discovered all these skills that people had in that department, and we're, we're so lucky because I know, I, you know, I teach kids. I drive a truck. I don't know jack about buildings, and like, we're getting one. I'm like, okay... <laughs> That's okay. I don't know anything about teaching kids, so you, hey, you know, there you go. Between us, we got it covered. That's it. Yeah. Um, it was awfully nice, though, to see how many different people 
just came to the front and said, I can yeah. help with this or I can help with that. Yeah. With regard to this building. So I was I was glad that they set me free inside of it before the demolition to pre demolish things and <laughs> I saw some of that video as a matter of fact. The evidence you got to run through walls and <laughs> Yeah. That was fun. Oh yeah. That's my specialty. Yeah. Um go through at at some point I feel, I feel like it was at we were in an MC together mm-hmm. Glenn Orr's MC last mm-hmm. year and yes. on the first day of that we went around and like talked about like hey I'm Ryan and here's like basically what I do this and that and that and and I remember your list kind of blew me away uh give me kind of the rundown of essentially the things that you're involved with or, or what constructs John Dutra yeah I'm I'm one of those guys who uh, volunteers an awful lot. So uh, <laughs> I, I was serving at that time. I was still serving on the Park and Rec Commission. Okay. Um, I had been on the Economic Advisory Commission for the City of Fremont. Okay. Uh, obviously, at Resonate uh, now, I'm in MC and uh, love to do teardown mm. uh, with a great group of people. Um, I'm the president of the Washington Hospital Foundation, which is in mm. charge of raising money for the community hospital here in Fremont. Right. Um, involved in Rotary and a few other things as well. So, A few other things? Besides my work, right? And, and, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, my work. A business. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I also uh, attend uh, Penn State World, World Campus. So yeah. I'm seeking a, a degree in psychology yeah. there. So, Wow. How far are you into that? Probably my junior year would be is where I'm at right okay. now. So probably in about another year, year and a half, maybe I'll be I'll be graduating. Wow, you'll be a, a senior. Yes, again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How long have you been picking away at that? Uh, I, I really started getting uh, back seriously into it in 2015. I had taken a bunch of preliminary courses and then decided I wanted to wrap it up and finish it so is that a bachelor level or yes. okay yeah cool and you have other other degrees and stuff already right I never here. finished my uh, business degree but I did take all all the courses for it and just never wrapped that one up so okay yeah well good for you Thank that's you. cool never never stop learning oh I love it um so let me let me just rewind the tape a bit and so we, we talked about already when we sat down that you're a, a native of Fremont. Mm-hmm. So where, where exactly were you born? Washington Hospital. No? <laughs> no oh, no. darn it. That'd be great. Yeah, that would have been really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was born in Oakland. Actually. Okay. Um, uh, at the time, we lived in uh, Concord. And, mm. oh, no, maybe it was Livermore at that time. Livermore. Yeah, but I was born in Oakland and um, have lived here all my life with the exception of 11 months in Kokomo, Indiana. Wow. My dad got transferred, so okay. Um, that right. la- that lasted till the first snowfall, and then <laughs> dig- digging out of a um, your driveway was not his. Like I'm out of here. Yes, that's enough of that. Yeah. Well, he was big on family too, and all our family was here in the Bay Area. His yeah. mom and sisters and brothers. How many brothers do you have? I have two brothers, and I have two sisters. Oh, two of each. Yes. Okay, that's a big family. It wow. is a big family, and you are. Alpha sibling. I, I, I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Yes. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. I, I like. It. I like to use warlike language yeah, as often go. as possible. Okay. But yeah. Daily life makes it more exciting. Yeah. Instigate some things between the siblings. Hopefully. Um. 
and they they i'm assuming at least a couple of them live nearby still right actually everybody lives in fremont with the exception of me i just moved to livermore in december so you're the adventurous one i'm the adventurous one yeah everybody else lives in fremont so that you know i didn't know that you moved to Mm -hmm. livermore Mm -hmm. because when you when you said oh we can do the interview at my house in livermore or the office in fremont i was like wait a minute i thought i've been to his house before it's in Fremont. It's definitely Fremont. But then, okay, so you've moved. Yes, we were right. <laughs> uh, shoot, probably 30 years in, in uh, Fremont yeah. or more. Uh, the last 20 at the house in, in Niles. Yeah. And uh, we just moved to a little piece of land and kind of love it there. What brought that about? Probably traffic and everything else that's going on here. You know, it's uh, <sighs> it's a great city. There's a lot of great people. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um all but these, all just, these commercial real estate little, developments, right? That's right, exactly. Pushing you yeah. out of <laughs> just a little open space. Uh, yeah, sounds like a good idea. So we're we're sitting on about an acre right now, and it's very oh, quiet. That's great. Yeah, right on. Niles is is charming, though. I, I've nice. always liked that area. I spent Saturday over there at that car show. Yes, you, yeah, that was fun. Love that car show. Yeah. So then, uh, I, I'd love to. Normally, on a lot of these interviews, if you hear it, I just go from one end to the other. Okay. And we pick up whatever kind of falls out on the way. Sure. Uh, but I'd love to hyper-focus a bit uh, on a couple subjects with you. The first one is just kind of your general testimony. Mm-hmm. Like, let me have it. How would you come to know Christ? Mm-hmm. What's it look like for you? What's it meant for you? And then the specific subject of adoption. I'd yes. love to get into that. Yeah, very important subject. For love me. to. I, I haven't talked to anyone yet who has adopted anyone. Mm-hmm. I've talked to stepkids, I think. One or two. Yeah, but not adopted. So this will be great. Um, so if you could, just you know, go through your, your testimony with me, basically, and tell me how you, okay. how you got to know him. Um, we grew up in a Catholic household, uh, and my mom was uh, very religious and wanted us to attend church and catechism. I even went to a school with nuns with long rulers where they could <laughs> they whack, you around. whack your hand, yes. <laughs> it's, but it's where I learned cursive writing, so I'm not going to complain. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Um, so we kept going to church. Uh, we moved to San Jose in the oh, probably late 60s, early 70s. Um, and we would walk to our catechism classes. Um, uh, more times than not, my mom would take us to church. Uh, my dad was a little bit when he could, but my dad was a um, had a very, very strong work ethic and, and hmm. um, uh, was working multiple jobs at one point before he ever started real estate. So um, we learned uh, about the church that way. And I would tell you that you know, you learn about Christ as a child. It doesn't, at least for me, it didn't necessarily touch me as hmm. deeply as I know Christ now. So hmm. um, that was all good. Um, uh, I grew up and then I kind of went my own way, um, as a lot of kids do. I was uh, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and my <laughs> dad knew absolutely nothing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that was a learning experience in and of itself. Uh, but... Um, I found myself uh, coming back to the church on my own uh, maybe 30 years ago. Hmm. Um, 
just because I felt there was more to life than what I was seeing. Um, uh, a lot of issues and concerns that I had, and and um, I just felt drawn towards God at that time. Um, I married in 1992, um, started going to church shortly after that, and my wife uh, followed me, and uh, and so became the you know this became the road uh, towards finding and knowing Christ. Hmm. Um, then over the years, I would. Um, kind of fluctuate in and out. I would read the Bible uh, cover to cover, and uh, every time was different. Every time was um, impacted me differently um, uh, and drew me closer to God. And, um, you know, finally at the point, shoot, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so, 10 years ago, I felt like I was... Hmm. um, there, which isn't saying a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, 90% of the time when you are seeking Christ, Christ is there every time. It's, it's mm. not like he's abandoned you. It's not like uh, you just feel like sometimes you're in that dry spot. Yeah. And um, But he's always been there. A lot of it has to do, at least for me, uh, not feeling worthy um, of Christ's love. And so... Um, trying to get to the point where you can accept it and realize it for what it is um, really kind of turned my world around. That was 10 years ago? Yeah, or so. about 10 years ago, yeah. What um, denomination would you say you grew up as? Well, I grew up Catholic. Okay. Um, when uh, we started going back to church, I went to St. Joseph's right down the road here. Yeah. And... Uh, Father Manny is still there, and uh, he's an amazing guy. But uh, when we noticed our son, there was no program for the kids Hmm. at the time. And so uh, my brother Dominic was attending Centerville Presbyterian Church, and so we decided to go there because they had a program. Right. We became deeply involved. I ended up working on the sound uh, system, so I would set up all the sound uh, for each service. And then uh, we both taught Sunday school for all the kids all the way Tell my son grew up. And you said you didn't teach kids. Come on. <laughs> I, d- I did what I could. I don't do what you do. You, you, you're very skilled at it. Um, and then, of course, uh, my wife uh, was the first one to find Resonate. And um, hmm. okay. uh, at the adult school, I believe. Uh, yeah. Mitchie, Mitchie Sierra might have been the one who yep. actually invited her. Uh, and then they invited me, and that was it for me. You're in. I was in it. <laughs> You're yeah. in. What if if you could say what your perspective on the the gospel was before versus you know when you say it kind of clicked for you? Mm-hmm. Like what is the these are, these are hard things to articulate, but sure. <laughs> like yeah, what yeah. what does that transition look like? Because I, I I have a similar mm-hmm. story. I grew up in a Catholic church. And I always tell people that I I don't know if the gospel just wasn't taught or I wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. Probably both. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Because <laughs> I, I heard a lot of these things, and you know they do the reading and you sing the songs and you and you hear these, but it just for some reason didn't. I, I didn't get it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you do. Like what what was what did that look like for you? Uh, it's like somebody reading a um, calculus book to you and have you try to do the problem. You, you, you hear it, um, 
you might even show you pictures, but you're not necessarily going to be able to do it. Mm. Uh, when it all turns around, uh, and that was the Bible for me. You know, the Bible was a great book, yeah. um, but it really wasn't necessarily impacting or meaningful necessarily to my life because I couldn't relate. Mm. I just couldn't relate. And the time that I found that I could accept Christ's love for me uh, was a game changer. Then mm. it, it became more like um, reading elementary school math. Oh, now I get it. Mm. Okay, now I get it because it, it became simpler. It didn't become so complex for me. I could um, read a passage of the Bible and not necessarily fully understand it, but I would understand aspects of it, mm. and I would understand how that impacted me. Um, and then you, you know, you come alongside, you know, some very, very great teachers, um, Pastor Ryan uh, Jackson, uh, Scott. Yeah, um, Chase had an unbelievable sermon this last weekend. Yeah, that was fabulous. I mean, yeah. you really relate to it, right but between the eyes. Huh? <laughs> it was. It was very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, those that kind of um, that kind of teaching, along with the MC groups, which are phenomenal. Mm. MC groups are um, will help you grow twice as fast, if not more, uh, yeah. than you could on your own ever on your own. Yeah. That community, yeah. Right? I know you. You know me, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I always find that um, the sermon is kind of like the general, like uh, marching order, mm-hmm. and then the MC is when you actually sit down and you say, "Okay, what did that mean for like me personally?" And that, that's that's that sharpening time for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So then, uh, how long have you been an MC leader? You've been doing that? I think only about a, a year, maybe. A, okay. A, a, you remember when I was at uh, yeah. Glenn's. So yeah, we were in the I, same I, one. I want to say about a year. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm realizing how many ways that we have crossed paths by accident over the... Cause so you were in the Centerville. Yes. Uh, so you know Brett Hall. Of course. Then, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brett's a great guy. Young life. Young life. Devout. That's devout. Something coffee. else I'm working. Yes. <laughs> something else I'm involved in. As a matter. Oh, of you are. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we have a young life event coming up June first in Livermore. So. Young life is awesome. It is. Yeah. It is. That was one thing that I I kicked around at one point. You know, I was talking to Brett, and it's like, is this something I want to go in with? And the timing just wasn't working. My work schedule was funky. Mm-hmm. I only showed up to a couple of things. I was like, ah, oh, that, that's something I would have, I wanted to get in on. I just missed the boat on it. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, just I don't know. think you've had a different ship. That's Time isn't over though, right? Yes. yes. Um, yeah, I know quite a few. Uh, Carol Carter. Carol's at, awesome. Uh, Carol and Hugh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great folks. Oh, yeah. That's neat. Um, I had another question. What was I going to say? Darn it. Back through your testimony, right? Sure. Um, so when you say you're, go back again mm-hmm. to the, the gospel itself. Yeah. What, what came to light in, in that message that was like, cause I think there's, there's like this, this keystone <laughs> and it's this, this like, oh, I get the gospel. And I find that's what 
opens up scripture. Mm-hmm. So when you say you start making connections, it's like elementary math now. Yeah, something clicked in there, and that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Is what was that nugget that you you realized that changed things? Um, what is that author? I'm trying to remember the author uh, that I read. Richard Keller, Richard Keller, I believe, wrote a book on prayer. It was Tim Keller. Tim Keller. Tim Keller, Thank you, thank you. So Timothy Keller, and um, he wrote a book on prayer that just completely changed my life. Completely changed my life. And that probably was beyond 10 years ago. But uh, uh, that book um, taught me more about my relationship with God than just about anything because it it spoke so highly of the ability to communicate with God, you know, at his invitation, uh, Mm. anytime, anywhere, uh, for any reason and for anybody. Uh, (laughs) And so that, you know, that kind of made it personal for me. Yeah. You know, God's there for me. God's, you know, looking for me. He's anxious to hear my thoughts, my prayers, um, he wants to hear my concerns. He want you know, he's just there. And mm. when that relationship um, became really evident for me, uh, that's kind of when the gospel opened up. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing to think that, that we have that kind of access? It is. To the creator of the universe. <laughs> it's the most phenomenal thing. It's like, really? Yeah. Okay. To think that, you know... When Christ died and breathed his last, the curtain divided, and all of a sudden, yeah, any time, like I said, you know, uh, nobody has to go before you. It's what an honor. I mean, what a blessing. Hmm. Yeah. What a. I mean, what a relationship. Yeah. To have. Yeah. It's amazing. Does this look like the the book that you're talking about, Tim Tim Keller Prayer? That's the one. Yep. That's yeah, it. Just that's all. Whole, the whole title is just prayer. Mm-hmm. Tim Keller prayer. I may have read this, or I've at least seen it. Probably I seen a, it. I just finished a second book last week uh, by him and his wife on marriage that was given to me as a recommendation by, um, I think it was Jackson that recommended mm. that book, and that was phenomenal. Yeah. His wife actually wrote letters to C.S. Lewis that got answered. Which really? Which incredible. Yeah, just incredible. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I, uh, if you ever want a good book recommendation, you go to Jackson or Ryan. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. In his office. And he'll tell you, you could just take them. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So let's, let's fast forward a bit then. And uh, let me into this adoption story. Oh. So give me the, give me the birth order. How many you had? Kind of the family like structure overview, and then how this this adoption plugged into that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was married uh, a long time ago, probably about let's see, that would be forty years ago, and we were married for about seven and a half years, and we had two beautiful children, hmm. um, Kimberly and Jennifer. Uh, Kimberly is a sweetheart. Um, she's actually working uh, to be a teacher's assistant right now. 
Right my on. daughter Jennifer is uh, going to be graduating from nursing college. All right. Um, she's already passed all the tests. She's just working on her state test now, and we're super proud of her. That's, that's the stressful spot. That is. Uh, yeah, she'll I, make it. <laughs> I, th- I think her last, her final was nine hours. Is oh, from God. like six a.m. till three p.m. And so, uh, dude. Yeah, I just don't know how she did it, but she's she's <laughs> very smart, and we're very proud of her. But then I got remarried in, uh, like I said, 1992, okay. and Ann and I um, could not have children together. So we, uh, it was, this is all God. So hmm. l- let me let me make that totally clear uh, <laughs> that everything I'm speaking today is is meant to bring God glory. First of all, uh, so yeah. please uh, keep that in mind when I explain this. Yeah. So. Uh, when we were dating, uh, we were bowling. We used to go bowling together all the time. Uh, Fremont Bowl, I think it was. Yeah. And um, uh, when we bowled, a couple people on the team were foster parents. And hmm. there were specifically emergency foster parents. So right. uh, they would take in kids you know, that came in right off the street. Um, I remember way back then, one of the children had actually had AIDS, which was a huge deal back mm. in the early 90s. That was right. something, you know. It was rare. Very rare. Um, but, you know, you see all this stuff about, um, we would see them with one child this week, and then you uh, know, they'd have other child, you know, the following weeks. Right. And then all of a sudden, a child would pop back up again. And we'd say, you know, what's the deal? And, then, huh. and they would tell us that, uh, well, they found the child with their mother in an abandoned warehouse somewhere, you know, took the child back, and the California law would give the child almost right back to the mother. Right. Um, huh. And uh, that was really hard. It was really hard for us to do, and we're, we weren't taking care of the child. But Yeah. Um, so we saw a lot of that, but we also saw a lot of great, uh, beautiful success stories, um, some, some great kids that came through, and... Um, so it kind of clicked in our mind down the road when we couldn't have children that, you know, hey, maybe we should consider this adoption thing. And we were both nervous <laughs> about it. Um, but we decided to give it a go. And the interesting thing is that just about the time we made that decision, unbeknownst to us, our son Jacob was born. <laughs> and uh, so we started taking um, a 10-week course through Alameda County. Um they design it that way specifically because they want to test the parents. First of all, can you hang? Yeah. And about 50% of them don't, which hmm. is which is probably a good thing. What does that entail? Like, what are they? Everything from um, background checks to fingerprinting to huh. uh, blood tests um, to family background. Wow. Um, and then, there, of course, there's, there's you know studies about the realities of adoption and so forth. So Yeah. <coughs> That's pretty... Rigorous. <laughs> it is rigorous. Wow. You know, um, Ann and I were just uh, talking uh, about this just the other day again, just kind of going back through the history of it. And, yeah. and uh, Ann was uh, saying how tough it was. And uh, when we were at the end, she was like, I, okay, I don't want to do the emergency foster parent because I can't give any of the kids back. <laughs> it won't so work. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so we ended up finishing the course, went through the winter, and then the following early spring, they let us know that um, we might have a child Hmm. available to us. Now, 
at the time, and remember this is you know 20 years ago, uh, at the time the county was being told not to allow um, other race children to go with what you would look at Ann and I and say we're white. I'm, I'm Portuguese and my wife's Italian. Hmm. Uh, but they were saying that they didn't want to do that because the importance at the time was maintaining the ethnicity uh, culture of that child. Hmm. And so they would they would tell us, I'm sorry, you're not going to have any African-American kids or you're not going to have any uh, Hispanic kids. Interesting. Uh, uh, we're, and so because this is Alameda County, we yeah. really don't think you're going to find a child, but we'll, we'll keep an eye out for it. That's interesting. It seems so... I mean, I... I I sort of get it, but it seems pretty backwards at the same time, right? Oh, it, it, looking back on we're, it, absolutely. We're going to segregate you yeah. for a good reason? Is that, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ann and I didn't get it Okay, at the time. I can tell you, we were both like, why not? You know, we don't yeah. care. It doesn't bother us. Human, it, yeah, right? It's Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> a child without a parent is a child without a parent. Right. You know, so anyway... Gosh. Keeping in mind, of course, all this, that Jacob was being born at the time we started taking classes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the funny thing was the foster parents were in Livermore. So we would uh, drive out to Livermore and we mm. saw Jacob and, and Jacob, he just, he was a doll. Um, <laughs> going back just a little bit. Yeah. The uh, county faxed us, actually faxed us a picture when they get used to have faxes. Yeah. <laughs> and so we get this, you know, crispy rolled up paper of a, a black and white uh, drawing, it seemed like. But uh, it was this beautiful little boy. Um, it was just his face. And huh. um, all he was doing was smiling. And uh, my wife was going, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure. And I, and I, called her and I told her if we don't adopt this boy we're not adopting anybody because hmm. this is the one you know this is the one and at the time she actually worked for a hospital and uh, one of the doctors there said I don't know you know you, you know you could be um, at risk here you know that child could grow up and maybe have real bad uh, um, problems uh, mentally hmm. uh, intelligence wise um, you know you just don't know and you know, he said, I personally wouldn't recommend that you adopt the child. And Is that just the circumstances of the, the birth or the mom? or The mom, or, okay. uh, the drugs okay. uh, at the time, you know. Yeah. And um, it just didn't seem to matter to me. I, I didn't, at mm. the time, there was nothing more right than saying that's, you know, the yeah. child for us. And uh, so we, we did uh, move ahead. We went to Livermore and Jacob. Jeez, Jacob just came running to me, uh, basically. I mean, he wasn't running at the time, but <laughs> how uh, old? How old was he? About eight he... months. About okay. eight months. But he was close. Got it. He was starting to try and get up, and uh, I think by the second time we went, uh, Jacob actually took his very first steps to me, uh, and the foster parents were like wow. blown away, and uh, <laughs> they said, uh, uh, "We're going to let you take Jacob home for the weekend, then you have to bring him back." And, uh, huh. you know, uh, they had already checked out our house and everything. Right. And so um, uh, we took Jacob for the weekend, and he never went back. <laughs> Jacob yeah. just stayed at our I house. I was going to say, I don't yeah. think you're going to bring him home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they just said, okay, well, if you're sure. And we said, yeah, absolutely. And, wow. uh, but part of that process, too, was um, the mother who came back into play hmm. when she found out that um, 
Jacob was going to be adopted. And uh, so the court actually said that, you know, well, she would have to give up her rights if she's, you know, hmm. going to let you adopt them. And so in order to facilitate that or see if that was possible, which was gut-wrenching for both Ann and I because uh, right. we did have the possibility that we might lose Jacob at the time. Yeah. Um, we would go up to San Leandro and uh, Ann would wait outside uh, nervously. Hmm. And I would go in with Jacob and uh, it's it was unfortunate because uh, hmm. I know the mom had some definite struggles yeah. Uh, but every time she tried to pick him up because he wouldn't go with her, hmm. he cried. And then as soon as she let him go, he would come running to me. Wow. And when we finally ended up in court, uh, the uh, the mother, you know, God bless her, uh, said, hey, I can see that he's really being loved and, and she, uh, she gave up her rights wow. at that time. So. And Jacob's a very, very special young man. Jacob, um, all my kids are, are absolutely amazing. Uh, but we're talking about adoption here. And so, yeah. uh, you know, growing up, it was just so much fun uh, to watch him. And he's got a huge heart. I mean, just a huge heart. Hmm. Uh, we had a family in Niles, a single mother with a couple daughters, and their house caught fire. I think it was Jacob was at 14 and he asked permission to sell hot dogs and Cokes so he could help them with, <laughs> get some money for clothes and stuff like that. That's the kind of man he is. So. Entrepreneur? Yep. Yeah. Today he's 24. And okay. He's doing very, very well, but still has the same heart. Wow. What a, gosh, so, I mean, that mom, like that's a, I mean, I'm not a mom. So it's hard to say I know what she's going through, but I, I could imagine that that roller coaster, Absolutely. right, for her is like, because she knows, like, this, I got myself in this mess. She could have made life really tough for you <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and for him. Yeah. Yeah, we, and she we made a, wise, a lot for her. She yeah. made, she, I, I think she made a wise choice, but that, that had to have been tough, really hard. Very tough. And we've never tried to hide anything from Jacob. Jacob knows who she is. and Right. You know, if Jacob ever wants to see her, we'll, we'll try and find her. Um, we don't know where she's at right now. Okay. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't keep track or anything like that? No. Tried to. Uh, tried to, but somewhere along the line, she kind of just disappeared, mm. and we weren't able to locate her. So. Yeah. Interesting if he would try at some point. Yeah. I feel like most adoptions that I talk to, is that what you call adoption? Mm-hmm. Adopted people that I talk to. Yeah. Most of them seem to have that, like, yeah, at some point. Yep. They might tell you no, but then later, like, yeah, I kind of want to know who this person is. Yeah, very natural. Yeah. Very natural thing. Yeah, I know uh, two students uh, at Resonate who are adopted and, and um, one of them actually has no idea. Th- th- like, they know that they're adopted, but they have no clue who her parents were, where they are, couldn't tell you where to start looking. You know, she could tell you what country. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Not a name, nothing. Very tough. Yeah. and And the other one 
could probably get close, maybe the right city, maybe a name, yeah. but that's 20 years ago. So who knows? Yeah. So if, as you, he's 24 now. Jacob's 24. He's a grown up. Yes, he is. Is he still around this area? Yeah, actually he still lives with us. Oh. Um, he got a job in Livermore at the same time. So he just stayed in the house that we moved into. Um, that worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out really good for him because yeah. there's enough land for him to store his truck and things on. So yeah. uh, he's loving life. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So as you're looking back at you know raising a, a kid, right? What were and, and you don't have to get super personal. I mean, you, you draw your own boundaries with it, right? But you know, what were some of the things you weren't expecting? about having an adopted son? You know, like I said, I had, you know, I had raised two girls up to that point. And um, so Anne was kind of coming into this all new. And so it was all new to her as far as raising a child. And um, she is like one of the best mothers I've ever seen. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's so good. Um, and takes care of all three kids very, very well. Hmm. Uh, but... If you ask me, um, is there anything that I didn't expect in relation to raising Jacob as an adopted child, I would tell you no, there wasn't anything. Hmm. Um, that's, you know, it's kind of, it's a little difficult to explain, but, um, you know, obviously I've described the process. A process wasn't necessarily the easiest, and I don't think it should be. I, I'm, I'm hmm. kind of glad it wasn't. You know, super easy sign on a dotted line. I think it make it might make it too easy to give up at that point. But mm. um, when an adopted child walks into your home, um, crawls into your home, whatever that might be, um, they're yours. I mean, they're no different than a biological child. They mm. mean every bit as much as anybody else. Um, uh, I don't even think of the word adopt until, you know, we get on a subject like this. Yeah. Uh, Jacob's my son. Um, yeah. He's a beautiful man, and um, we're very proud of him. But schooling and everything else, um, I will tell you the one thing. Uh, uh, when we did adopt Jacob, um, we basically stopped <laughs> what we were doing, and we, we sat down and talked, and we prayed mm. about whether Ann should work or not. And, mm. um, I gotta tell you, you know, that's, that was a tough choice at that time because we, yeah. uh, we were young, we had different jobs. Um, uh, we were single and having a good time, uh, too. <laughs> that was a big part, too. but, uh, right. uh, when you take on that responsibility, all of a sudden things kind of changed, you know, you, your focus becomes more, uh, dominant on how best to raise your child. And when, yeah. we, when we prayed about it. We just felt God saying that the best thing uh, was uh, for Anne to stay home, and she did. And we were blessed by it. Jacob was blessed by it. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, we survived financially uh, through God's blessing. But it was wonderful. Um, yeah. I remember Anne saying, okay, I'm only going to stay home until he's five. And I said, okay, whatever you want to do. Cause she, <laughs> she did love her job. Yeah. She did love working, and she's very good at what she does. She's very detail-oriented. Hmm. Um, when five rolled around, she just started helping at the school, and then she'd help more at the school. And 
eventually down the road, uh, Fremont Christian hired her. Now she, <laughs> she's the uh, uh, executive admin for the uh, superintendent there. But really, yeah. Oh. So, but she treasured every single t- uh, second she got to be with Jacob. So that's great. Did he go to Fremont Christian? He did. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that, okay. All the way through. Yeah. So she was room mom, yeah, and then was. all the way. Yeah. Yep. I think my mom was room mom for a minute. They didn't hire her though. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't get rid of my wife. My wife was there all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was just over there uh, a couple months ago. I did their chapel with oh, their, yeah. for their kids. Yeah. It was great. That's nice. Super cute. Some smart kids too. Oh sure. They they kept up. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Man, what a cool experience. So, go through some of the wins of it. Like how is how is having a, a I don't even want to say adopted son anymore. I know, it sounds wrong now, but that's okay. <laughs> How has it changed your, your heart? Um, in what ways did you see yourself grow through that experience? That, that's the first boy too, right? You said you had yes. two girls. Yeah, okay, two girls. so that's this is boy. a boy now also. Yep. Um, how's that gone for you? Uh, it's, you know, it's <laughs> awesome. I mean, a dad, a dad has his girls, which is cool. I always <laughs> love having my girls. Yeah, and then when a boy comes along, it's you know it's baseball and soccer and yeah, a little uh, caveman. Yes, I think uh, we just passed the anniversary of his first home run in two thousand six. Yeah. I actually have it on my calendar. So, um, uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, awesome. Yeah, uh, but it's it's just you know it's no different. Every child is so very, very special. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, it's it's just hard to imagine life, what life would have been without them. Yeah. They're very difficult uh, because it's really been a blessing. You know, any parent will tell you that raising a child is a lot of work, and it is. Hmm. Um, but uh, the blessings far outweigh the cost. Yeah. Did you ever have any any struggles with like, you know, the the cliche line, "You're not my real dad," like that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Any of that ever come up for you guys? Or no, no, it's ah. because you know, again, we just didn't. Adoption never really came up in our household. It was, yeah. you know, he's our son. You know, there's there's no difference. So, didn't look at him any differently, and he never. You know, he's a good, like I said, he's a good son. Even when we had our, our, you know, uh, meeting of the minds, so to speak. Um, uh, yeah, you're humans. <laughs> those are all good. I'm very thrilled that he comes to me every once in a while and asks for advice. So yeah. that's cool. Have I, have I met him? I, I haven't seen you together, but I, I meet people separately and then figure out later they're related. So, yeah. Okay. You might have. Um, he came to a couple things. He was, um, when he was at Fremont Christian, he actually worked the sound for a lot of the events um, with Randy, uh, okay. Randy Benitez, who's there, and uh, John Eshelman, uh, who did the sound. Um, so he did a lot of the sound work. I probably saw him then. You yeah. probably did. Yeah. Um, but you'll meet him again, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait now. Yeah. Uh, so as as our as Resonate Church, I mean, this... This podcast isn't a resonate podcast, right? Mm-hmm. But um, our church is going through like an adoption initiative. I think I don't know if we've named it mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> yet. We'll find some catchy name for it. Um, 
but there there's a huge uh i want to say supply not a supply what what is the word i'm looking for there's a a huge number of of kids that are in in that system still probably more than before Mm -hmm. um we have a a program that we partner with called safe families Mm -hmm. which is basically similar to what you described where kids who for whatever reason you know the parents went away for a few days, you know, and they right. just, so they do the temporary adoptions and all that. So there's, there's tons of kids out there. I mean, if, if everyone in our church adopted a kid, you know, there'd still be basically just as many. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it. Um, so we're, we're trying to basically construct, um, a, a structure on which we can lead families through that process and support them as they go through the exploratory, like, is this for you phase, uh, the background, the fingerprinting, the urine testing, the home yeah. inspections, uh, yes. all that stuff. Like yeah. that's not easy to do on your own. And a lot of times, uh, you know, the, from what I've heard, the adoption agencies aren't really the best, like warm hand holding type environment either right. for, uh, you know, Right. Perspective parents, um, what are what are some things that you would say to somebody who's like considering it? Like, okay, we 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 might be able to do this. Like, what what are some things that that you'd tell them? Think about this. Don't think about that. <laughs> right. Avoid this. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. What would you say to them? Um, great question. Uh, I would. You know, I make sure that I think you just found a new direction for me after the setup crew. So, uh, <laughs> really, you know, probably probably would love to be part of that because, um, well, you know, setup is going away soon. I heard that. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, ad- adoptions a very can be a very scary thing. Um, yeah. The county isn't necessarily the hand holding type, and um, right. You know, their 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 primary uh, goal is. Uh, to watch over the safety of the child to the yeah. best of their ability. So you know, um, when you look at a new parent, um, you gotta you know you talk about you know diapers and feeding and illness and <laughs> medical coverage and dental and sports and you know right. Uh, but when we had one of our members meetings and this first popped up, there was a whole new side hmm. that. I was exposed to from, um, I believe it was Ryan who was talking about it. Uh, and specifically what he mentioned was the need for God led children. Um, Hmm. people that will introduce God into a lot of these children's lives. And that was, that was eye opening. Hmm. Um, I mean, that was sort of something that we just did in our, in our household, but when you look at Resonate and the program that they're trying to build, the and you look at society as a whole right now, um, there is not just a need for adopting a child, but a need for bringing up a child to know uh, Jesus Christ and know God. Yeah. Um, that's huge. That's just huge. You can prep a parent, but um, and there's a lot of stuff that you can talk about, questions that need to be answered. There'll be questions that pop up when they do adopt or choose to adopt. Yeah. Um, but having God as a foundation is a major thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I've always taken offense to the term at-risk 
youth. Because mm-hmm. um, I think they all are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the ones that seem the most together. Yeah. Like we're we're all at risk. We're all at the same risk. Yeah. Same situation, same condition. Yep. Sin or redemption. Yes. Like that's it. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope. Gosh, I, I I I can't wait to see what that looks like for yeah. for just our little area, you know. And I know we're not gonna take over the world. That'd be great. Yep. Put put that on the list, but yeah, exactly. you know, just the the rational side of me is like, why why can't we see, you know, a hundred just in our our church? Why not? Yeah, why not? I agree. And the the whole idea that you know a lot of times as Christian folk, we get all on the the pro life mm-hmm. bus, right? Mm-hmm. And and Ryan put it this way that he says like we're 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 pro life, pro life, pro life, but really in a lot of ways, we're just pro birth, right? We don't really do much afterward. Yeah. <laughs> like, great, you made it. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Like, where where are we then? Yep. Where where are we for the one year old afterward? Right. Okay, you got you got your way. They're born. Now what? They need to know Christ. Absolutely. Someone's got to tell them. Well, let's hold a sign up for that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's start a march for that. Exactly. Pro whole life, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just the birth. I'm excited about it. I I I, I dream of, uh, you know, standing in front of a, a group of, you know, first, second, third, fourth graders and having a certain percentage of those, like I know, like those were the ones that, you know, we, we took in. Yeah. Like that, that's going to be beautiful. Yeah. And the nice thing about that too is, is that you don't just change that child's life by bringing them up in a, in a godly household. You change their children and their children's children. I mean, it yeah. just, it goes on. It's it, a legacy. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's right. So, Set up and tear down is going to go away. Maybe <laughs> I, think, I think you may have found a, a spot Maybe. for me. Yeah. Maybe a little adoption coaching. There you go. It's the next chapter. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my next question for you is, uh, you know, I feel like you've, you've lived a pretty full life and <laughs> you have all these experiences and all that. Like what, beyond getting your next degree, <laughs> um, you know, what, what's next for you? What are you What are you looking forward to? Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> continuing to grow uh, in Christ uh, in the Word is is huge. Uh, but um, I, you know, I realize uh, now um, being in an MC group, uh, men's MC group, um, and then now leading an MC group, yeah. that um, we need men. <laughs> we need men who are strong in their faith and uh, uh, can really understand the depth that Christ's love uh, is for them. Um, mm. it's, it's a huge, it's a huge foundation. Men are uh, knowing that I am one. <laughs> knowing you have some we, experience. <laughs> we have some experience. Yeah, men are, are stubborn. They're um, yeah. They're very self reliant. Yeah. Um, um, and often they find it very difficult for um, to find a place to turn mm. uh, because they think that somehow or another that indicates that they're weak. And right. the truth of the matter is, um, you know, Christ turns all that around. 
So uh, that's been a real eye-opener and a very special thing for me to do um, is to uh, learn with these men Hmm. um, um, about what that love means and then where do you take it from there? Um, You know, how do you you show um, God's love in your life? How does that work? You know, right. um, we had a great discussion uh, two weeks ago on uh, how do you how do you tell others about God? You know, and huh. and uh, we all chuckled at the fact that you know to some people it becomes a very scary thing about yeah you know knocking doors or you know holding a sign out on the street corner kind of deal and, right and, you know that's that's super scary and uh, you know most of us agree that that's not going to impact too many people <laughs> but the uh the truth of the matter is when you when you live that kind of life when yeah you find some of that peace that that god's giving you in the midst of all the turmoil in the midst of all the society hmm. uh throws at you and people start wondering how in the heck that's how you show uh, christ and hmm. um telling others that you've got a great church there's nothing to be embarrassed about you know, you got a great church. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, you know, where is this church? Well, yeah. Um, those are really simple things. When you get people coming to you, um, I think Carl Medford described it really, really well. He said, um, you don't need to necessarily go running out. He said, but God's going to be giving opportunities to you, you know, here and there. Mm. Just be ready for them and recognize them and be open to sharing once those opportunities arrive. Carl tends to put things a lot of, he puts a lot of things well. He does. He does a great <laughs> job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that funny that the situation happened today. I, I was at my other job, the trucking job. <laughs> and a, a, a lot of, a lot of them kind of know what I do. A lot of them just know that I don't work there as often as everybody else does. And they're like, what's going on here? So I, and it just comes up. They ask, you know, inevitably people will ask me, like, what do you, so wait, what do you do? <laughs> so, well, you know, I work like maybe two days, maybe three days a week here. And then the rest of the time I'm a children's minister at a church in Fremont. I teach kids about the Bible and about Jesus. And, and their reactions are always interesting. Yeah. Some people are like, Really? Oh my gosh, that's great! Yeah, do you know my friend? Whatever they, they're like, they're church people. Other ones are like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> and I, was but, like, I know it's weird, but it's great. But you planted a seed. Yeah, and yeah. It, and it just means like, okay, now now I got to be on watch, <laughs> mm-hmm. or they're they're on watch. Yeah, and there's been a few uh, a few people that that actually do at some point say, hey. So I, I got a question for you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they, they, something about their family or some counseling they're looking for. Yeah, it's those, uh, those relational tidbits, I think. That, Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, I, I get nervous about it. Uh-huh. I do. I'll stand up every week in front of a whole church of people and say some of the most bold, like, Bible stuff you've ever heard. But one greasy dude in a truck <laughs> can get me. Oh, here we go. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna talk about Jesus right now. How do I say that? <laughs> what, yeah. what am I gonna do? He's gonna get me. Yeah, they never do though. I haven't, I haven't been gotten yet. 
No. Another great way is to offer to pray for somebody. So, Mm. you know, we run across people every day in our lives that are struggling in one fashion or another. Maybe it's just a bad day. Maybe it's just a bad moment. Maybe it's an illness. Uh, Maybe it's a family member. Um, But to ask if that you you know you can pray for them or pray for that person is is another great way just to yeah. introduce them uh, to Christ. Most people don't say no. No, actually, I, I don't. I've never had anybody tell me no. And I, I ask <laughs> everybody to pray for them. So yeah, there's a there's a great story. I, f- I forget the the pastor's name, but he said that every time he'd go he'd go to the same spots all the time. And he would ask his barista, you know, anything I could pray for you? And he says the first handful of times, people are like weirded out by it. But eventually they're like, you know what? Yeah. And they here's the situation. Here's all that. Please pray for this. In three weeks, our high schoolers are going to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And they do this thing out there called uh, free prayer. So they have a, a sandwich board. Or a giant sign on the front. Oh, very cool. It says free prayer. And they yeah. walk around Fremont Street. And, uh, yeah, that's another one. There's, I've seen people turn it down. I don't need that. You know? Yeah. And it's scary for the kids. And they're like, oh, gosh. But then afterward, we're like, are you okay? Yeah. Did they cut your head off or anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. So well, you're good then. Let's ask them. <laughs> like keep going. And by the end of it, they're just like little talking to everybody, random people about all kinds of stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. What a great way to take that fear away. I know. Right into the fire. Yeah, exactly. Vegas. They don't call it Sin City because it's cute. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> they're in the lion's den over there. You can feel the gremlins just looking at them from the, you know, the eaves of the buildings. Yeah, what are you... Yeah. Um, I guess I had one more question for you. Sure, then sure. is just uh, you know, I'd love to know what what your what, what God is kind of teaching you right now. You talked some about that we need men, yeah. stuff like that. But what are, what are you what are you learning? What newer new connections are you making as you're just continuing to mature? Right? Yeah. Um. I, I I would tell you that I probably more than anything God uh, repeatedly has to tell me it's okay, you know, um, you know you're struggling, um, you know maybe you're not feeling good. It could be an illness, could be just you're tired, or maybe you're overwhelmed at work, and mm. um, God just tells you it's okay. But uh, the big thing I, I always tell everybody, you know the um, first thing that most people want to do um, when they're disappointed in themselves or Hmm. they face a struggle um, most often people try to fix it themselves um, demean themselves um, um, and walk away from the church or walk Hmm. away from you know they 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 seemed overwhelmed and I try to let people know that the very first place, and I try to live that too, by the way, is the very first thing you should do (laughs) in every situation, no matter what it is, is to go to prayer. Um, Because as we talked and touched on before, God is there always. Hmm. He's always there, you know. Um, 
you know, it's not a drive-through. You won't you, you won't get your <laughs> your fix at the next window. Yeah, uh, it doesn't fix the problem um, necessarily right away. But I can right. tell you that God will tell you He's got this. Uh, uh, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right? Hmm. Um, I've got that actually printed in our bathroom wall. But <laughs> um, put up a couple Bible verses in our in our, in our walls here at work. I but, saw that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just turning, you know, back to God, not away from God uh, during those times is probably the most important thing you can do. Mm. I think, uh, personally, that it getting prayer uh, as um, a foundation in our church and in our society, getting people to come back to prayer, mm. um, um, you know, not as a last resort, but as a beginning. Yeah. Um, I walk usually every day with my dog. I walk uh, a couple miles, two, three miles, and and um, almost the entire time I enjoy hmm. the morning. I enjoy the sunrise, or you know, and I'm talking to God almost the entire time. So far, He hasn't gotten tired of it. So, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but I come back and it just feels great. And um, I will pray in my car. I'll pray at my desk. I like to, in fact, I like to pray. Uh, before I actually start doing my work, hmm. um, because I think that's a great way to start the day. Yeah. Um, so prayer, prayer is a huge thing. Um, I can't emphasize it enough. It's awesome. I uh, I was talking to someone about this. This is going to sound off topic, but it's coming back. the The homeless mm-hmm. situation in Fremont or anywhere you look and. There's, there's all kinds of debates about, like, what do we do? Like, do we build housing? Do we open up facilities for, you know, what, like, what what is the solution here? And, and every city planner or everyone will tell you something different. And I think there, there's, there's definitely something that needs to be done for the immediate crowd. But what about the homeless people that are two years old right now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what? how do we get there? And And I think it's... It's a return to to prayer. Yeah. It's a return to a connection with Christ. I think I think the absence of that can be attributed. I don't want to say to all, but mm-hmm. a whole heck of a lot of these social issues that that we're getting all fired up about these days is like mm-hmm. they took prayer out of the school. They take God out of movies. You can't say. You can barely do the Pledge of Allegiance anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Which is weird. I, it's not a prayer, but it's yeah. just as hated. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, you want to ask, like, how's that working? Uh, right. And and I'm, we need to get back to it. Yeah. I think as, as, a, as a prayerful nation, not to say we were perfect. I think we were the most perfect so far <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of problems. Um, but getting back to prayer, I think is a huge weapon. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even for myself as an individual. I've never seen you know, prayer hurt anybody. No. I've never seen it. And no. It, that's, <laughs> that's why it, make, it becomes almost more mystifying to me. Yeah. To try and understand why you would push God out of the places like school. And you I know. know. I, I don't get that. Um, I won't pretend to get that. I, you know, I think yeah. most, uh, most 
people use the reasoning of fallen Christians or people that you know yeah. mess up. And they they look to disturbed individuals yep. to represent the yes. the general body, right? And uh, they don't know God, right? That's just that's just the bottom line. So back to prayer. Yep, it's good advice. I love it. All right. Well, I think we we got where we're going. Oh gosh, I sure appreciate the time. This is man. great, John. So I. Just as as I've as I've gotten to know you over the last three years or so, maybe four years. I think the first time I met you was at the tamales thing oh, at, okay, yeah, at yeah. Caesar Chavez. That's you brought right. you brought a tamale pot, yeah, and you had your name on it. Yeah, and I didn't know who you were till afterward because I my job was to get that back to you because <laughs> <laughs> it was at. I was interning at the time, and it was at our at our church office. I remember we were Dutra. unloading. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I got to give this back to this guy. That was a lot of fun, by the way. John Dutra. So, okay, that's him. Uh, yeah, and I I just as I've gotten to know you, I've developed a huge amount of respect for you as a oh. as a leader, as a as a godly guy. Uh, just I don't know how you do all the things that you do. I'm a high capacity person, and I stay pretty busy. But then when when I hear your rundown, I'm like, what the heck? What do you? You must drink a lot of coffee. I don't know, or yeah. something like that. You just got the spirit in you. Either way, I got a huge amount of respect for you. Oh, likewise, likewise, and, very much so. Uh, it's just a blessing to know you. Blessing to be part of the same church as we move into the next phase. I don't know yeah. what it's going to look like, or you know, who knows? I, I feel like a lot of times we're just hanging on for the ride. Okay. We'll see where he takes the train, you know. The one thing we do know is God will be there. He will, yeah. Yeah. So on to the next chapter. Look forward to meeting Jacob when I can. You got it. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, Ryan. Take care. All right. And there's another one down. Uh, Thank you so much, John, for talking to me today. And thank you out there for listening to another episode. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed that. I was super encouraged by his words about adoption and just what that's meant for him, his attitude about it. And just, uh, yeah, gosh, I, I mean, there's so many kids out there, man, who need to hear about Christ, who need to experience that kind of unconditional love that, that I think is so unique to a child that's been adopted. You know, I, I believe that all of us have been adopted in some sense, in a real sense, by Christ. What a great way to show that to a human being than to literally adopt them in this world. Uh, What an inspiration. That's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Again, you can follow the show on Facebook, The Great Stories Podcast there. And if you want to be on the show, uh, shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned and see you next time. Thanks for listening. Uh Uh-huh. You're still listening. Thanks for leaving your tuner on. Either you are expecting to hear my voice again uh, because you know this is coming or you found it by accident. Either way, this is kind of like the secret portion of the show. 
And uh, this is the part where I just kind of talk about whatever's on my mind for the day. If, if you don't want to listen to it, turn it off. <laughs> this is not mandatory listening for sure. Uh, so today I, I had an interesting conversation, and it's one that I've had a couple of times before. And it, it involves the subject of relationship maintenance. And I think this is interesting. This this was in the context of a of a high school student who who says that he's feeling like kind of disconnected from his community, like he's not as connected with his friends and almost like I like gosh, I don't have any friends, that kind of thing. And I've kind of felt that way before. And so what I was what I was processing as as we're talking about it is this concept of relationship maintenance. And I think it's something that we don't really talk about enough. Uh, and because if you think about like, okay, I'm the type of guy where if 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 somebody doesn't reach out to me ever, or they don't call me and say like, hey, you want to hang out? My assumption is that they don't want to, <laughs> or or that they're too busy, or they just they're not interested in hanging out with me. But I've realized as time has gone on that there's actually other people who are thinking the same thing about me, right? And if you're doing it, you're basically playing the opposite game of chicken where I'm waiting for someone to call me and they're waiting for me to call them and then nobody calls anybody and we never hang out and we're not really good friends. And it's it's always it's, it's a frustrating balance because I don't think anybody wants to be in that position where they're just initiating all the time. And I find myself in that position because I'm an initiator. So I'm always the one making the appointments, sending the texts, you know, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And, uh, you know, I, I probably don't really give people room to initiate with me. But I do have a, a couple folks in my life, a couple uh, of my guy friends that, yeah, they will actually routinely reach out and say, hey, how you doing? Like, what are you doing tonight? What are you doing tonight? What are you doing? And I always think that's great. I always feel, even if I can't do it, I think it's great when you actually get that call and gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 36 years old. Right. And so now I'm processing this as a, as an adult and thinking about it from the perspective of a, you know, freshman or sophomore in high school talking about how, you know, I don't, I don't know my friends as well, or I'm not connected. And really at, at that age, honestly, most of a, a kid's social connections are, very passive in their formation, right? Either these are family friends uh, and, oh yeah, well, I'm friends with this kid just because my parents are friends with their parents and we see each other all the time. Or, you know, you have friends at school who you're just friends with because you're in that place all the time. Or you're friends at church because I see you every week, maybe twice a week if we do youth group and all that. But a lot, none of these relationships really require a lot of intentionality or maintenance. And I think it's when when life starts getting a little bit busier is when you kind of discover that you actually have to participate. And, and I think, uh, well, gosh, we should take, this is just hitting me as I'm talking that, man, we should, because I work with high schoolers quite often and, uh, I should take some time to actually talk to them about <laughs> like how to be good friends. What does it look like to pursue like real connection and relationship with people? What what role does intentionality a play play in these relationships? And uh, yeah, that that's a real uphill struggle for them. And I think it is for a lot of adults too, because we get busy. Man, we're well, you know we're working every day. We got 
laundry to do and shopping to do and you know, I got to cook dinner and I got this appointment and that meeting and I'm going to this event and that thing and, and it's like you know it seems like uh, whenever I want to hang out with one of my just friends that aren't related to any of those things I have to bust out the calendar and plan like a month ahead okay like here we go 28 days from now from 4 p.m to 6 and we have dinner like that kind of thing <laughs> it's very sad uh but th- that's what you got to do because because I really believe that the value of community is huge I think, and here's where I'll go with this, that I think there are a handful of ways, and I think I've said this before on the podcast at some point, that there's a handful of ways that we can grow in our spirituality and that we can grow in our walk with Christ. You know, we can study scripture, we can worship uh, through song, we can pray, uh, we can do all kinds of things, but I think one of the big ways that we can do that is actually to be plugged into Christian community and have, have real friendships, you know, with people who we're peers with. No one's leading anybody. No one's got an agenda. Like our our whole purpose for being friends is just to be in community with each other, to know each other and to just have real talk and not have to worry about putting up any fronts or anything like that. And I think uh, it's a huge advantage for our, our walk with Christ to have people that just know us really well, to speak into our lives. You know, I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of men, it seems more so than women. I, I think women are better, on average, at, you know, making and uh, maintaining friendships. Uh, but guys, man, we tend to go into this weird, like, caveman mode where I I'm, I don't want to be vulnerable. You know, I don't want anyone to really know me. You know, none of that. I just want kind of superficial things. And if it gets too deep, I'm going to run away and go hide in my cave again. And <laughs> You know, I I think, you know, a lot of guys approach making friendships like almost like dating. Like it's just this weird and awkward, like, do you want to be my friend? You know, that's like, <laughs> kind of weird. But I think it's so important. It's it's a skill that I, I don't think we're taught. I don't know that I was taught really how to make a friend. I mean, I could tell you theologically what friendship is and, and you know, what it what it looks like, but I think I've learned basically by trial and error. Anyway, all that to say, yeah, I guess the conclusion of what I'm saying here, what's on my mind, right, is that I think uh, it'd be good for for parents of, you know, kids and, and especially high schoolers to just have that conversation about, like, what relationships do you have? Who do you connect with? You know, who are your friends? Who do you want to be friends with? How are you participating? What does it look like? in your world to make and maintain a friendship and and you know once the blank stares and i don't knows are over then you can have a conversation about that and i think that's it's going to be important so there you go that's what's uh, just on my mind this morning good friendship uh so excited about the show so this is 15 episodes now and i think there's i'm up over 2000 downloads something like that this thing's getting real it's exciting uh, I've got a handful of interviews coming up, and uh, I've given up on the every other week thing because this, you know, honestly, this is a, a spare time in the cracks of my schedule kind of thing. I'm not doing this as a business. I don't, I don't make money off it. Um, so it, it's a, you know, it could be a challenge sometimes scheduling wise. I just talked about, you know, how crummy scheduling can be, and so I'm trying to throw two hour, three hour podcasts in there here and there. It, it's just tricky. Uh, but I'm excited to do it. Gosh, I I feel like everybody that I've had on the show, I've got this connection with now. And I feel like probably you do too, if you've gone back and listened to them. Even if you don't know them, 
Like, you know these people, you know, you know, it's rare that you actually hear just this extended version of somebody's life story. You know, it's kind of cool that we get to do that here. So I'm, I'm excited about this. I want the show to keep growing. So, and if you're still listening to my voice after all the rambling in the last 10 minutes or so, uh, it means you're in <laughs> and you've probably listened to other episodes too and keep going. You know, but I, I want to see this thing grow, really. I, I don't want my name to be great. Oh, Ryan Weber's this great, you know, the next Joe Rogan or some crazy junk like that. Uh, I, I'm just excited for, you know, the, the people who listen to the show to be encouraged by what they hear. You know, those who are already believers uh, can hear the story of Christ working in someone else's life. And in that context, be encouraged by it. Those who are questioning, you know, it, gosh, it's hard to it's hard to listen to the show and not be like, okay, something happened there. This person was changed miraculously. And and if you are not yet a follower of Christ and you're seeking, like, what a better way to go about seeking Him than to just hear what He's done in people? You know, it's it's hard to hear these stories and just dismiss it as hocus pocus or something like that. I. I It encourages me. I hope it encourages you. I'm so glad you're listening. Uh, So stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for listening.